Planning a trip to one of the great national parks? L.L. Bean went to the experts at the National Park Foundation to get the inside scoop on which parks are the best to visit in each season. Whether you're looking for outstanding scenery, smaller crowds, or unique activities, L.L. Bean, be an outsider. To check out the full list of recommendations, visit llbean.com explore. Welcome to The Final Four is Not on the Schedule. I'm your host, Eric, alongside with expert analyst Rod. Thanks for joining us on the best MSU basketball podcast featuring an in-depth recruiting, game matchup, and post-game analysis. We dive deep to give you the best tools to enjoy the Spartans and impress your friends and family. Hey, everybody. It's Eric alongside Rod. We're here to talk about the Michigan State victory over Nebraska, 74-56 at the Breslin Center tonight. Uh, I was in attendance again back there, but I was unable to eat an ice cream sandwich because I was a little too full from dinner before (laughs) before I headed out. Uh, Great game for Michigan State, I would say, probably 35 minutes of really solid uh, performance. Offensively, they looked fantastic in the first half, moving the ball, and Tyson Walker emerged from his sort of mini shooting slump. He finished with 16 points in the first half and I think 21 points for the entire game. Um, Defensively, they were great, and I think even... The second half where you could say that Nebraska kind of got some things going offensively in the paint, driving on one-on-one situations, it was definitely a decision by Michigan State to prevent Nebraska from getting coming back and hitting threes, which they did not do very well. The one thing you can say about Nebraska is they were 1 for 11 in the first half, and they were much better in the second half. They shot 20%. Unfortunately, that was only 1 for 5, so they just finished 2, uh, two for 16 in the game, which is unbelievable uh, from 3. Overall, their shooting was not terrible, uh, and then from they shot 41% for the game, <clears throat> uh, much better in the second half, and that's mainly because they were driving and drawing fouls, which for them, they were unable to capitalize with the f- fouls, you know, hitting 40% of the free throws, and um, I don't know. I mean, I think it was just overall probably the best complete-ish performance for Michigan State this season. Obviously, Malik Hall played a little bit more, almost almost 20 minutes, so I don't know. What's your impression? I mean, it was a great game. Yeah, I, I would say ish. I I definitely say the best half. That first half was lights out in every respect. Um, you know, offensively, I think it was in large part a really good game the whole way because MSU kept the ball popping. Um, really, just a high, high, high level ball movement. Um, you know, kept the turnovers to a minimum. And, and honestly, the only thing that was kind of a downer at all was the fact that they just couldn't hit open threes in the second half yeah. at the clip that you'd expect because the ball movement was there. They were getting great yep. looks. They just weren't falling. So that, that took a very good first half shooting performance and, and made it kind of a mediocre overall effort, but you know, still not terrible, just not as good as it probably deserved to be defensively. I I hear you on what they were doing in the second half. And I think you're right. I think they were trying to uh, maybe overplay against the three figuring when you're up 22 at the half, that's the only way the opponent's going to get back into it. And partially as a result, they gave up more going to the hoop and, and maybe put themselves in position where, 
they had to foul a little more often they would have liked, but <clears throat> I still wasn't thrilled <laughs> with the second <laughs> half defense. Um, yeah. look, I mean, the, the bottom line is Nebraska in that first half shot tw- just shy of 28% from the floor. And I'm telling you about 90% of that was due to the way Michigan state defended. They were outstanding, just outstanding. Second half, Nebraska shot just shy of 58%. That's, that's not great. <laughs> I understand some, <laughs> yeah, ext- yeah. some extenuating circumstances that in part led to that, but I, I also, I'll give Nebraska a little bit of credit in this sense. Uh, they were better at hunting mismatches and, and by mismatches, I don't really mean physical mismatches. I mean, just situations where MSU had a guy defending one of their better players that he really couldn't defend. Jackson Kohler had a great game in some ways, offensively, really, really good. But defensively, the issues are still there. I mean, Derek Walker is a tough cover, but so is just about everybody else he's going to see in the Big Ten. And he's got to find a way to get better because when he came into the game in the second half, Derek Walker just went to work. Um, And I thought Greasel actually took advantage of Pierre Brooks a few times in that second half as well. Not as Mm -hmm. much. Pierre held up a little better than Jackson did, but both of those guys, they really got picked on. And they're the only two guys that, that really struggled to defend for Michigan State. So you can understand why an opponent would look when they, when they get them in a position where one of their better offensive players is isolated on them. It makes sense that they would go at them. But that was a little bit disappointing to me. But look, I don't want to rain on any parades. Overall, that was a really good performance because as we talked about in the pregame and, and Tom Izzo reiterated in the pregame and in the postgame, that's a good team. You might not believe it listeners. If you're, you're used to thinking about Nebraska is what they've been. And then you saw how easily Michigan state handled them tonight, but trust me, ask Purdue, ask Iowa, ask Creighton, ask a bunch of other teams. You probably have some respect for Nebraska is good. And, and I think if you want the most encouraging thing I take for away from this game is, you know, we've talked about Michigan state's offense being decent, but not yet great. That's a really good defensive team that Michigan state just worked offensively. Yeah. I mean, really, really worked. And, and that's encouraging because if Michigan state can get their offense humming like that, well, they're going to be a very, very difficult team to beat because their defense, my, my complaints about the second half aside, when they choose to, they can be as good defensively as anybody in this league. I'm, I'm convinced of that. They have the potential to do that. They've got so many high level guys that they can lock you up uh, as well as anybody in the big 10. And so if the offense is there, look out. Yeah. I think to that point, you look at what Mati Sissoko did to Walker in the first half. Oh yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he, he frustrated that guy by the end of the first half, Walker didn't know what to do. I and mean, he's committing turnovers, trying to get going. Now 
the guards were doing a great job, Walker and Aikens, and um, I think even Hauser got in there a little bit too, just kind of digging at the ball and making Walker's life difficult trying to get and score. But, uh, you know, Sissoko really showed, I think, his comfort level. And, you know, maybe this is a little bit of, you know, Malik Hall being back too. He looked he looked good, and they looked much more connected on defense than they've looked, you know, three, three weeks ago. I thought Madi was tremendous in the first half. Just tremendous. I agree with everything he just said about the job he did against Walker. Walker ended up posting good numbers. He was seven for 13 from the floor, had nine rebounds, so he just missed a triple-double. Um, and God, he could have had a really big game if he could shoot a free throw. Um, <laughs> he was awful. <laughs> but, you know, what happened in that second half, I really felt Walker got on track uh, largely against Jackson who had to play maybe a little bit more than you would have liked because body got in some foul trouble. And, yep. uh, and then by the time Marty got back in Walker was rolling. So he was able to put up a couple buckets against Marty, but he did a lot of his damage against Jackson. So I, I agree with you. I think I, Marty Sissoko is such a big deal for this team defensively. And he also had a nice game on the boards too. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it was, Look, it was a comprehensive victory. I mean, there's a lot of things to like. I, one thing I liked, and I didn't think the the broadcast team didn't hone in on it in the way they should have, but um, but we will hear. You know, there's a point that Nebraska was kind of starting to get themselves back in the game, and mm -hmm. they got it to 14, and MSU went small. MSU went, Marty picked up a foul. MSU went with Joey at the five, Malik at the four. And Malik scored, I think it was five straight points to take it from 14 to 19. And, and you can conclude the small ball lineup looked very, very good. It also looked good defensively. In fact, I remember there was a sequence. Malik was covering Walker and just did a great job denying entry to him there was just no opportunity for an entry pass um so if he doesn't ever get the ball he can't take advantage of the size differential right and and yeah. so i thought that was an encouraging sign for the small ball lineup which look as as soon as perhaps the next game on the schedule michigan state may want to think about going to for certain stretches you know um, so it's encouraging that they were able to get some positive things done with that group and not just positive things, but really in, in effect, slam the door shut on this game. It was the last point that Nebraska had any momentum and MSU just killed it. Yeah. And I, you know, I think this really goes back to your sort of oppression in the summer where you're saying, you know, it depends on how much you say is playing the small, right? If we're playing Joey at the five and out of desperation because Mahdi's in foul trouble and Kohler's, you know, useless, or he's in foul trouble, you know, Michigan is going to, be, going to be having some problems, but this was a situation where they just used that lineup to punish Nebraska. And, you know, if nothing else, it's going to give Michigan and the rest of the league, they're going to have things to think about. Like, Absolutely. You know, how do you sort of defend this? You're going to have to game plan against this. And, you know, that's just annoying to have another, nothing you have to worry about. I think it was, I think it was partially to try to try to hurt Nebraska. But I do think in this situation, you know, with the game tight, Madi, I believe that was his fourth when they went to that lineup. Um, I think they kind of had to try something because Jackson 
as I say, and, and people were, you know, again, on the broadcast team, they spent a lot of time talking about what Jackson did offensively, which was great. It was his mm-hmm. best game in an MSU uniform. First time he's in double digits. I don't think he missed a shot from the floor. Um, he was really good. But defensively, man, he struggled. Uh, he just had no answer. And, and again, that he's going up against a senior who's a very clever player and a very good offensive player. So in, a, in an objective sense, you can't be too upset about that. The only problem is Derek Walker's not the best big man he's going to see. <laughs> this, this league <laughs> no, is just, it's sure, a steady yeah. parade of them. I mean, I can go up and down Big Ten teams. Even Minnesota, the worst team in the league, has a guy at the five that's averaging like 15 a game, Dawson Garcia. So there's right. no break, none. I mean, the one break that they had, they already saw Northwestern. That's it. I mean, there just aren't soft touch big men around. So Jackson's got to get better. And I think that that move, because the game was, well, not quite in a precarious spot, it was bordering on it. You could yeah. feel it was a tipping point, right? Like, okay, yep. if MSU can't stem the tide here, Nebraska, they find their way into hitting a three, string together two or three buckets in a row, get the same to single digits. There you go. You got a you got a game on again. Um, it didn't happen that way because MSU decided. I tend to think, hey, we got to try something different, at least for a, a few possessions, than just in reinserting Jackson because he wasn't getting it done defensively. And and if he had come into the game, I guarantee you, Nebraska goes right to Walker. They probably get something out of it. Maybe they get a foul, which was as good as a a missed shot from the field, the way Walker shot, but, (laughs) but you never know. He might find his way into hitting a free throw or two. And and so MSU decided again to go with that small ball lineup and it proved to be decisive. They got stops. They got scores at the other end from Malik and, and it was ball game, but encouraging stuff for sure. Oh yeah. And I would say the one thing I would say about Jackson Kohler. So you expect a guy, a freshman coming in, getting acclimated. He's a, at the five, I think, which is a tough position. To your point, there are a lot of really tough centers you play against. It's it's crazy how many quality big men there are in this league. I mean, everybody thinks about uh, TJD and uh, and Edie and and the jackass yeah. down the road, um, <laughs> but it goes way way beyond that. I mean, Zed Key at Ohio State is a very good player. You know, um, the kid at Rutgers is a very good player. Um, Illinois has multiple guys that can do damage against you. You know, Um, you just, you just go up and down. I mean, even Iowa, Robracha is not a bad player. No, he's good. You know, so it, it just, you go up and down the league and there are no nights off at that position. There are no soft touches. So, you know, it felt for a while like what Michigan state was doing was kind of keeping Nebraska at bay by virtue of trading baskets. Walker would take advantage of, of Jackson and then Jackson would score at the other end. And that went for a little while and then it started to tilt Nebraska's way. And that's when they had to make a change, but that's not Tom Izzo basketball. No, it's not. But I would say with, with Kohler for a guy in his situation, with his skill set coming in, what your expectations, 
you expect him to sort of the first part you, you expect him to be comfortable in is offensively. And I think we're starting to see that offensive, you know, what you had expected from, yes. from offensively. And the, you don't expect the defense to be the first thing to show up in his game. That's what you expect to be second. So as he gets more comfortable offensively, I suspect he will get better defensively, whether it's this year where we feel more comfortable with on pick and rolls and things like that. I don't know. I mean, he's got 17 games left in the regular season. It's a long time, especially if he gets as many minutes he's getting. But I think it's encouraging seeing that at least one half of his game, maybe he'll, you know, when you start worrying about both half ends of the floor, you don't do well on either end. So maybe now he'll start feeling a little more comfortable on the offensive end, and that will make it a little bit easier to slow down the game, hopefully on the defensive end too. Yeah, uh, and and I don't mean to, to – I'm focusing on that because, unfortunately, when you can't get stops, especially at Michigan State, that can make you, you know, unplayable. Yeah, sure. But you are absolutely right about this looking offensively like the Jackson Kohler that we were expecting to see. And that is an encouraging sign. He had that fade away off one leg, which yeah. is that they mentioned it during the broadcast. You obviously didn't see it, but they, they, uh, some, I can't, maybe it was Robbie Hummel saying, was that Jackson Kohler or Dirk Nowitzki? And he's right. <laughs> that was a classic Dirk Nowitzki shot and he drained it. And that's, that's the stuff that, that we've been talking about. Um, in the preseason and when MSU signed him, he is a skilled kid, really skilled. And, you know, we go back to what Mike Garland told us a, a few weeks ago, probably about three, three weeks ago now. And he said in his mind, what needed to happen is Jackson just needed to get a little more confidence. Well, he got a few things to fall against Buffalo. And yep. so that was maybe a start. And then coming off tonight, he should be going into the game this weekend feeling very good about himself, very confident, at least in terms of what he could do offensively. Look, the, the, the clown at Michigan can't defend anybody. Jackson Kohler can score against that dope. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced of that. If he plays with the kind of confidence he did tonight, he can score against him. Can he guard him? I don't know. But as you, as you were kind of alluding to, one step at a time. And tonight he did seem to take a real step out on the offensive end. Yeah. And so the, the other sort of intangible things, I think the, the crowd was really good considering the students weren't back yet. It was the, uh, is alumni. It is interesting sitting in the stadium now looking at the is alumni. And I'm sure you can see it on TV. There are, I think probably half the is was older than half the coaching staff at Michigan state. <laughs> There's some, I mean, it is well the twenty five years right. I mean they've got kids who are in college probably right. I think it was Graham Couch. I hope I'm right, giving him credit. Um, who tweeted that Tom Izzo must be really old, judging by the way that the alumni Izzo looks. <laughs> so he was getting at the same thing. Yeah, some of those people I think were Rainers. Uh, there were a few I spotted in that crowd that there's no way I, I would even question if some of those people were part of judge jungle, but, um, <laughs> but, or the Spartan spirits, but, uh, yeah, it's, I think they did a nice job. The atmosphere felt more or less normal. You know, some of it was, you know, Michigan state got out to such a big lead that, you know, the second half, it was going to be hard to keep that, yeah. that crowd intensity up. But I, I think by and large, it felt like a normal night, which is as much as you can ask. 
Yeah, no, I think they did a nice job. And, you know, they're, they all had just their flip phones, right, Rod? So, you know, they were not able to get too distracted during the game. Uh, so I guess, well, I guess let's just talk about the elephant in the room, right? I think it's probably time to address that. Uh, so uh, yesterday afternoon, I got a phone call from Buick saying that they had, uh, that they were, that I'd been randomly selected to shoot free throws at halftime in their free throw challenge. So the winner of the free throw challenge, it's three rounds, goes, gets, uh, uh, gets to go basically tickets to the final four and a, you know, all expense paid trip for two. And so I was selected. And so I des I sort of scrambled home yesterday, shot a couple free throws <laughs> at the Y did a little bit this today. And I never played much basketball, uh, growing up. I was always tiny and I couldn't handle the ball. So if you're small and can't handle the ball, there's, you're not of much use on the basketball court. So I really never played much. And so anyway, I had to go out there at halftime and I was encouraged cause I sat down next to the guy who was going up against, who was very nice. Um, but he was quite a bit older than me. So I thought I have a chance. And so anyway, so I won and I, so I advanced to the next stage. So I won four to three. If anyone has a video of that, I'm not sure how many attempts, because I'll tell you, you're just firing as fast as you get in 30 seconds. So I made four, uh, which is not bad. I mean, it's, that's actually okay. Um, And 30 seconds, it's not bad at all. Yeah. And I mean, I'm doing more jump shots from behind the line and uh, you know, the, they, I don't get the nice basketballs. They had like one nice basketball, like a leather one. And the two other ones are the, those, I don't know what the substance is. Like, you know, the cheap ones you always have in gym at like yeah, high school. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, you know, those kind of like rubber yeah, balls compo- or something. Composite. Yeah. Composite. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whatever. So it's kind of like I'm switching back from one ball to the next. Not that I, you know, I'm that good that I can <laughs> make that much a difference, but um, my form wasn't very good. And I would do, like I said, more jump shots as they're trying to get the balls to me, there are only three of them. And so they're trying to like rebound and get them to me and then put them on the, on the rack. The rack almost falls down. I had to stop it from falling down on top of me. Uh, so I had a lot of distractions stuff. So that's my excuse for only hitting four of them, but well, you know, hey, look, I, a win's a win, right? In advance, right? A win, it all looks the same in the score on the scoreboard. <laughs> well, congratulations. And I'm, I'm glad to hear you were able to uphold the, uh, the honor of the podcast by getting it done. <laughs> uh, so when is the next, when's the next round? It's Maryland. So the Maryland game is the next one. So that's like a month from now. They, there are four rounds in the first round. So there are eight of us. So now there are seven. Uh, and then, you know, that round and then the, the championship so you'll be round will be during se- you'll Ohio be in State. You'll be a semifinal then next. Yep. This is the quarters. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Well, congratulations. Yeah, so pretty, pretty cool. It was a lot of fun. Um, I will say, as bad as my free throws were, and there are a lot of them were, I mean, to say they were short, I, I think there's one I just grazed the front of the rim. It was better than Steven Izzo's free throw, which I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> well, I want to offer you a little tidbit from a broadcast, which was mentioned. So they were talking in the uh, in the pregame that Izzo was really emphasizing checking checking out on uh, on uh, missed free throws. Didn't want to give up any offensive rebounds on free throws. Getting tired of seeing that, and that was right. something that had been a problem going back to apparently the scrimmage against Tennessee way back in October. Um, Mm -hmm. He had talked about how that was a big segment in the game. They had a couple of those. Um, But uh, 
apparently Steven Izzo is the designated foul shooter when they're practicing that, meaning he's supposed to miss and he's very good at it. Um, so I don't know <laughs> if that carried over, but yeah, that was, that was, uh, you had to wonder if somebody opened a door at the Brez, right? Because <laughs> that thing well, went wide left. It was funny for those who watched the end because you had Izzo and Hoiberg yep, going facing off it. against each other. Hoiberg came out on top because he hit he went one or two in his first two free throws, and then the second time he's fouled by Izzo, yep, hit both of them, and then he fouled Izzo on that rebound that Stephen came flying across Correct. the court to get it get a hold of. And if I, I when I saw it was one and one, I thought, oh, this is not going to end well. I don't think yeah. he's going to make it, but. Yeah. Um, well, hey, look, hope springs eternal, and we'll hope that there are several more opportunities for him to get a chance to score. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, before we get to the keys, just a a few more things I wanted to touch on, just in terms of individual performances, because uh, we've talked about some of these guys. Uh, Tyson Walker obviously had a huge game, and it was right. much needed because. He'd been a little off with his shooting for the last couple games. So to see him have a really, especially the first half where he scored 16 points, ended with 21, um, which is just a point off his season high. Um, yeah, it was really good to see, and I thought he was assertive. Um, he looked comfortable. He looked confident. And, you know, obviously the results were exactly what you want. So that was yeah. really encouraging. Um, I'm surprised. I if Trey Holloman got in, in the second half, it was extremely briefly, but I, I it, it's, so. it, it's unfortunate because man, I thought he played well in the first half. I mean, he did, you know, we've been talking about him and saying, you know, there's the thing that's got to come next is the ability to get offense for himself. He does everything else. Well, he's a hellacious defender. He runs the offense well. He's efficient, doesn't make mistakes, but he needs to be in more of an attack mode to really get up to that next level of being more than just a solid contributor or maybe being somebody that, that you really can count on in the rotation. Um, I really liked that first half from him. I mean, he obviously had the one defensive play where he just flat picked his guy's pocket. Oh, that was awesome, yeah. And then unfortunately missed the layup when it was contested, but Hauser was there to clean it up. Still, great play by Trey. But the one that really made me happy came just a bit after that where he actually took his defender off the dribble, pulled up, and nailed a mid-range jumper. That's exactly yeah. the kind of play that MSU needs him to make. You know, where he, he just goes and gets a bucket. You know, it, it looked more like the kind of play we're used to seeing Pierre Brooks make because Pierre Brooks, whatever his deficiencies might be, is an extremely confident offensive player at all times. And yeah. he goes out and looks to get a shot, and he's rewarded for that a lot. So that was really nice to see from Trey. I mean, I know the reason we didn't see him as, in the second half is that MSU had Walker and Hogard and Aikens kind of going. Um, and those guys played heavy minutes, but I was really happy with what Trey did. And so if you put his game together with Jackson Kohler, MSU got some good things out of the freshman tonight. And, and that matters when you're talking about, as we've been discussing in various ways over the course of the season, you're talking about trying to lengthen that rotation. 
meaning more guys that you feel you can count on to actually play real minutes. So you've got Malik back now. So you've got him in that role coming off the bench. Uh, you have Pierre Brooks, who, again, has some deficiencies, but also does some very good things. That's what we saw tonight. It was that way. He had some bad defensive possessions, but he hit some shots. Uh, and if you're adding Holloman and Kohler to that mix, well, now you're nine deep. And that's plenty deep enough for this team to be successful with. You can play Michigan State basketball with a rotation of nine guys, and it feels like they're starting to get to that point where you feel comfortable. Even, even with Jackson Kohler, um, I think part of the problem tonight was he maybe had to play a little bit more, and I didn't see what the final minute tally was for Jackson. Um, played like 15 minutes. 15 though, minutes. Right? That's probably about five more than you want, ideally. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think as a lot of times with a guy who is really good at one end or has the potential to be really good and really struggles at the other, uh, the more you play them, the more you get into the realm of diminishing returns, you know, and I think that is kind of what happened tonight where there were just a few more possessions that he had to be in that game. And you knew that, you know, Derek Walker was going to find him, so to speak. But, right. but if you can play him 10, I think he might be getting to that point that you feel like, oh, he can, he can give you 10 good minutes. He can get you a couple right. buckets. He can grab some rebounds. He can hold it down enough defensively that you survive it, you know? Well, that's kind of what we felt about Brooks during that PK uh, yeah. 85 tournament, right? Like there, he was just there too much. He was yeah. in the game too much, right? You know, because there's no other choice. It's interesting. I was looking at the the three point percentage. And I think last broadcast, I said that Brooks had 50, was over 40%. He wasn't, he was actually 39. I'm not sure exactly what I was looking at, but anyway, he now is over 40%. He's a yeah. 40.7, but there Malik Hall's 40%. Aikens is 42.9. And that's even with his uh, little bit of struggles today. Uh, and then Walker is, um, Walker is also, he's, he's 43%. Or sorry, thirty-seven percent, and Hauser's forty-three. I, and Hauser with sixty-five takes the season, and he's still shooting forty-three percent. And yeah. Walker sixty-one for thirty-seven. Yep. And Hogard at twenty-six, which I think he's better than that. And I think you know maybe the numbers will come up at some point, but I, you know we'll see. This is like you said before. This is a good team. It's shooting. a good shooting team, and even with what ended up being kind of an off night, um, yeah, it's it look, it's a team that. Uh, and there are some other Big Ten teams that I wouldn't say this about, the team MSU played tonight being one of them, but there's several of them <laughs> who fall into this category where you don't feel very comfortable with with what, they, what they're going to do if they have to take a lot of threes. Michigan yeah. State, you're pretty comfortable with them taking the deep ball. You know, they just – they've got guys – who can make those shots, lots of them. And, and that, that's the thing that was the, the, like I said, offensively to me, the sole disappointment tonight, the only one is that they didn't shoot a higher percentage from three because they deserved to the ball yeah. movement they were good looks. was there. Oh really yeah. Good looks, yeah. And it created yeah. great, great shots. They just didn't cash in. I mean, Akins is one for five and Joey two for seven. And the and great I would looks. Say 
Joey, they, I mean, yeah, I don't think they took any so bad shots. I don't think any of them were bad through. Like, no hand grenade shots, right? I mean, they were all good and open. And like the, the only pass. hand grenade shot was one that Jaden had to take um, late in the clock. Yeah, that's it was true. Toward the end of the first half, on a a bad pass from AJ that had him almost falling out of bounds, and uh, he had to launch it. But other than that, yeah, you're right. They were high quality looks. Joey Hauser, you know, you mentioned two for seven, double double. It felt right. It felt like it wasn't a great night for him, right? Still had a double yeah. double, and what did he have? He had uh, was it four it assists? 10, ten. Four assists, one turnover. Yeah, I mean, ten, ten, and four with one turnover on a quote unquote. I mean, I wouldn't say it was a bad night, but on kind of a an ath night, that's pretty good. Yeah. They gave him three steals as well. I mean, he yep. was active hands inside, you know, and actually what let's just talk about the assist too. I mean, let's talk about Hogard. I mean, nine assists, one turnover. The last four games, I think he's at 27 assists and four turnovers. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't know how you felt. You may have felt differently. That num those numbers look really good. Obviously he didn't shoot the ball well tonight, but they didn't need him no. to. Um, I just didn't. I didn't feel like it was prime AJ tonight. Uh, I, and, and I don't know why that is I, I, that play. I was just referencing was one example the the thing that I really, you know, the one to Aikens that I talked about, which he almost threw mm -hmm. out of bounds. I just felt like AJ most of the time has been really good this year at not just making a pass, making a pass is fine, but hitting someone in their shooting pocket, is another thing. And I just, and maybe I'm wrong. It was, it's an anecdotal impression, but it just didn't feel to me like he was as on as he's been of late um, at a, in that phase of the game. But look, you can't argue with nine to one, right? I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nine to one's pretty damn good. Yeah. And he, he was pushing really well. Uh, you know, I, they got a lot of stuff in the break it, when they got in the half court, but I think, you know, it almost was once you got to the second half, I think the biggest difference was Nebraska was just playing better defense the second half. I think Michigan State was moving the ball just as well in the first, second half. Just Nebraska was just tightening up, and it was just, they're just playing better, more connected basketball. I think that's the defensive true. end. I do think they were better defensively. Um, and as we've talked about, they're a pretty good team defensively this year. So, yeah, I, I don't I don't disagree. Yeah. Uh, but look, overall, you know, it was something that uh, – that Bruce Weber um, spent some time talking about in the post game. Um, and it's definitely true of Michigan state as we've talked about many, many times before, you know, that Michigan state has got things going offensively. When you see a performance with what was it? 24 assists on 31 made baskets. Yeah. So um, better than a 75% rate. That's, that's Tom Izzo basketball. It really is. Um, th that stat doesn't mean the same thing for every program in the country, but for Michigan State and the way they play, it does. Yeah. I think the fact also they had seven steals kind of just gives you an idea defensively, you know, that they have very active hands. They Absolutely. Really well, so. well I, I talked about that Trey Holloman steal. Um, yep. Tyson Walker, Walker had, had couple, one that yeah. was very nice, kind of in pursuit. After an MSU turnover, he turned her right back around, came up behind Greasel, I think it was, and took <laughs> yeah. it away from him. Um, yeah, it was it was just good stuff. A lot, a lot, a lot of good stuff. Yeah. All right. Well, then let's talk about the keys of the game in just a moment. We'll come right back. 
There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so if we start with the keys, the first one is the defensive glass. And, you know, I think, well, no question, Michigan State did well on this and rebounding in general. Uh, defensively, uh, Nebraska only had a 25% offensive rebounding rate, which we said, you know, if you're under 30%, you're doing a good job. Nebraska really didn't get anything going. And to your point, talking earlier about off off the free throws, there was one they got off a free throw, but it was like a weird free throw. They hit the rim like three times. It was really yep. strange. Other than that, I mean, there were some bad misses that – you can occasionally see tipped out and weird stuff happen. And Michigan State was still in position blocking players out and not even preventing and preventing those from going over to Nebraska. So they did a great job, I think, in that. And then just in general, defensively rebounding. Yeah, this was good because, you know, Nebraska's not a vintage Michigan State offensive rebounding team or Purdue, you know, some of the elite offensive rebounding teams we see in this league typically. They're not at that level, but they're vastly improved. We talked about it in the pregame. Yeah. They, they've been in the Hoiberg era. They've been in the, you know, like near, nearer to 300 than 200 <laughs> most years. And they're in the top. They came into this game, at least in the top 100 nationally. So certainly a team capable of doing some damage there for MSU to hold them to a 25% rebounding rate. That's good work. Yeah. And I, they're not a great defensive rebounding team. I don't know that we talked about what their ranking was, but not great. Yeah. And, but that doesn't matter for Michigan State this season. They've not been able to offensive rebound. And yet this game, 41% offensive rebounding rate. Yeah. Just, Madi was very good. And, uh, you know, Joey had a couple. And it looks like Malik had a couple too. And, you know, they just, they just more act. I just, the team was more active, but they really punished Nebraska when they had opportunities. That was it. It was the activity level. And it's something we haven't seen consistently. So I agree. It was very good to see. And look, on a night when you shot the ball pretty well and you still get 14 offensive rebounds, you've done some good work. Yeah, that's that is kind of I mean, that's well, that's why you were up 22 points. Right. Exactly. <laughs> one of the big when you miss even sure. when you miss, you still are scoring on them. Right. I mean, for that's, sure. Uh, that's deadly. Uh, so then transition. I, you know, I thought the transition game, especially in the first half, was really good. I mean, you know, fast break points is eight to six, but there are a lot of a lot of open looks that happened because Nebraska was just scrambling, trying to get in position off the break. So there weren't any of the, you know, the layups and dunks that you get off the break, but other than that, they, they're moving the ball pretty well. First Br- Bruce Weber agreed with you. So this is another one of those instances that will take that fast break point stat and throw it in the trash. Um, I agree with you. I agree with him. I thought Michigan state was pretty good 
in pushing, you know, you mentioned AJ being good in pushing the ball. And I thought MSU as a team did a reasonably good job of trying to push tempo, get into stuff. Um, and we're rewarded enough for it that I, I chalk it up as a positive. Yeah. And I would say, and going to the next point, key to the game, which was shooting threes, which and we agree that they were, it was a below average for this team, 31% or something like that from three is or 32% is below the average of 38%. So not very good at 23% in the second half, but that was just, but they still were moving the ball well and getting the open looks. They just weren't going down, which didn't matter because you're up so much. And when the game was won, which was the first half, Michigan State did shoot the three very well. Yeah, 42%. They were, yeah. Right. They were plus 40%. So when it was there to be won, they actually did do the job. Uh, we'll just kind of ignore the the second half. <laughs> so number four key to the game was to stay aggressive. I think, you know, you could argue that it was a potential for a trap game, although I th- we thought that probably wasn't going to happen because it's not like, you know, it's back to the Big Ten and they lost the last home game to Northwestern and Nebraska had just beaten Iowa. So they're, they weren't going to sneak up on Michigan State. But, I mean, I don't think there's any question. They stayed aggressive and they, you know, on the boards, I think it's the best place that you saw it where they had a 46 to, what, 32 margin, 46 to 29 margin. Yeah, but it wasn't the kind of aggression that I was talking about. Look, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to complain about it because I think you'd have a hard time reasonably complaining about that offensive effort. I thought they played a very good game offensively overall, you know, minimize the turnovers. What were they in single digits? I think they had nine, yeah, nine. Yeah. You yeah. can't shot the ball close to 50% from the floor, you know, did a lot of good things, but remember we were talking about coming off a game against Buffalo where they shot 30 free throws and right. they were really relentless at going hard to the basket. This, this game, I guess you could say, didn't lend itself to that. Um, but I'm still a little bit disappointed in only getting six free throw attempts. I mean, that's something that, you know, again, we're, Tom Izzo teams typically do not shoot an inordinate amount of free throws. It's just not the nature of how they play offense, typically. But you got to get more than that. Yeah, I mean... Nebraska made more than Michigan State took this game. Right. Even yeah, and- even though they shot absolutely miserably. They were what, eight for <laughs> eight 20? 20. Yeah. 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 Michigan State was four or six. So, yeah, there's no question. And a couple of those were at the end, right? I, I would say the, the one thing I felt like with Nebraska is they weren't allowing it. But I also think the second half, the, as always seems to be the case, fouls are called in the first half or they're called in the second half. It's like, you know, the, the, the level of contact that's allowed or that it's, that's, you know, penalized changes from half to half. I think that's true. Clearly in the second half, the, the refs were blowing the whistle more for contact in the lane. And, and it wasn't until the very end of the second half where Michigan state started attacking and, and getting the calls that they weren't going to get in the first half. And so I, to your point, I think that's, I think you're right. I think they probably should have recognized that the, that, the style of game was called was ch- had changed. Well, and, and you know what this probably gets at, as I think about it, why I had the impression I had about Hogard, because sure. I thought he did in the second half. I thought there were a lot of possessions 
where he was just kind of dribbling aimlessly. And you could say, well, the rest of the guys, there's not movement. They're not getting into their stuff. That's point guard's job. That's his job. So he can't just be out there aimlessly dribbling the shot clock out. And if he is going to run it down, then he needs to be doing what we know he's capable of doing, which is getting to the basket and getting a shot up on the rim or drawing a foul. And he started doing that later, but not enough. So I think that's probably where some of my frustration with his game came from as I think about it. Yeah. And I, you know, again, this, maybe this is one of those things where I have to watch the game. I'm just, you know, in the stands, that's my excuse, but I felt like a lot of times when he go in, it, they, that Nebraska collapsed down and it left all the shooters open. And so he just would pass out some to truth to that shooters. So I don't know, you know, maybe that's just a, that there's a reason a he had nine decision. assists. There's a reason he had <laughs> nine assists and you're absolutely right. I'm just saying there were segments of that game where they weren't getting shots, weren't falling. You know, some of those threes yeah. weren't falling. So typically when you see that, what you want to do to break that, that negative momentum is all right, let's get something up close to the rim. Let's try and get an easier one. And I just, he wasn't as assertive going to the basket as he typically is. Some of that give Nebraska credit. I think you're right. They were collapsing on him. The way they defended didn't, you know, made that maybe a little more difficult than it it is at other times. But um, look, we're talking about a high standard, right? We're, you're talking about a guy who, um, I think we we believe has a chance to be, you know, an all conference type player in this league. And we think this team has a chance to finish very highly. And so if that's the standard, you know, you got to hold everybody to the standard all the time. And I just didn't think he was as good as we normally see. He was also one for six from the floor, which means he wasn't he wasn't finishing those plays, which we normally see him finish. Right. I don't, it's funny. I remember him missing the three and I remember him missing one or two, but I guess I didn't realize he's one of six. He missed, I mean, I he, he missed some much. stuff. He missed some stuff trying to get to the rim. I, and I also didn't see the last six minutes of the first half. Cause I was, they pulled me down into like, oh, his own as okay. back on the basket and stuff. So that's my other excuse. So I mean, I saw stuff, but it's hard to see as the same way as you are sure, the upper deck. Sure. So again, excuses. Uh, so final key to the game was post play. Well, you know, I, I, in many ways, I think, although Nebraska got a bunch of stuff going in the second half, the first half they were neutralized in the game, sort of the Michigan State had already thrown the haymaker, it was kind of over. It finished with 40 points in the paint to Michigan State's 20, so it wasn't actually that close, but it was good enough, I guess, especially with the fact that Nebraska couldn't hit the broadside of a barn on the freezer line or from outside the arc. Yeah, they didn't, look, they didn't do as much. The one guy who was delivering around the rim was Jackson Kohler. Uh, but I, again, I go back to AJ. AJ's a guy who can create that kind of thing, and he didn't really do very much of it. Malik had his one flurry, which was a big moment for it to happen, but he wasn't able to get much done either getting to the rim um, or getting himself in a position around the basket. That was kind of it, you know? Yeah. I mean, so Joey had when a couple, I say I post play, yeah. I really mean if you look, though, at the total which is saying is we specifically, we were talking about, look, Derek Walker, very good player. You don't necessarily have to win the battle, but you've got, you got to be competitive, right? Right. Well, let's look at it. So Derek Walker, it's 17 and nine, right? 15 points, nine rebounds. 15 points. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. 15 and nine. So Jackson Kohler and um, Marty Sissoko had a uh, 15, 15 combined along with 13 boards, 13 yeah. boards. So I would say pretty good, you know, in terms of where Michigan state got to in their post combination versus Nebraska's. Now, if I add in, it gets skewed a little bit. Wilhelm Breidenbach. Yeah. He had, had himself points. a nice game. He had a nice game. So yeah. 10 points that, that blows it out a little bit more for Nebraska, but I still felt like Michigan state got enough. It wasn't a domination. It wasn't a one-sided um, ever, even with the problems Jackson had defensively against Walker, Michigan state still held their own well enough um, in terms of production in that game that uh, I feel like they were okay. Yeah. I don't think on our bingo card, we had of the two players in Nebraska, it's a three Breidenbach was on that card. So yeah, boy, he really, uh, and you know, he was another one. He did a lot of that damage against Jackson. Yeah. Uh, Jackson, right. well, Jackson didn't I, like, I, recognize I, it. He just kind of like watched him like, Oh, he can shoot. Threes. I would love to see a synergy chart because well, I wouldn't love to see it. It would be bad reading, but um, <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was uh it was a defensive struggle for Jackson. Yeah. Cause both guys did damage. He looks like a freshman. Well, I guess unless you have any other parting thoughts, but I think we've kind of gone over most of the game. Um, right. Do you have anything else? Uh, just, just a very good win. You're two and one. And, and what we yep. talked about was when you look at, and look the, the big 10, the way it is, there's just not any soft touches. Right. So yeah. I didn't feel like this was a soft touch coming into it, even though it was at home because Nebraska had shown enough that, you know, you had to respect them. So to beat that team by 18, it, you have a pretty good feeling, you know. Um, but all that said, when you look at the schedule, you have to realistically think this game and the next one are the ones that if you're Michigan State, given what you've got coming up, you want to win because it's going to get real in a hurry. You know, you're you're on the road at, at Cole Center, you're on the road at um at Illinois, and then you come right back home and you see Purdue and Rutgers in the two games after that. So yeah. It, it, the, these are games based on what you think of these teams right now, which admittedly can change. I think you look at it and you think, well, Nebraska at home, Michigan at home those damn well ought to be victories, you know? And so they got one of those two is in the win column. And now you go to Saturday and you see what's what. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think, you know, one thing that we can say safely, which I think we were saying before, there's no dominant team in the big 10. There's every reason to think you have an opportunity to win the big 10 because as good as Purdue has looked, Hey, guess what happened the other night? Rutgers went into West Lafayette and beat them and they were up pretty soundly and then kind of just the lead sort of whittled away. But I think just, it just shows you that this is maybe they just can't beat Rutgers, but that this is this big 10 is wide open, right? Well, look, I just, as we're recording this, I had Wisconsin (laughs) and Minnesota on in the background and Minnesota is pretty clearly the worst team in this league. Wisconsin is now three and O 
they handled Minnesota by a whopping three points. And actually <laughs> Minnesota had a chance to tie it. And then the, the ball was stolen away. Um, and the clock ran out. Um, so that's proof positive. Anything can happen. So you're right. If you're Michigan state, there is no reason to look at where they are and think, well, we can't dream as big as big is in terms of this conference. They have every opportunity uh, to be in contention for this thing if they play to their potential, play to their capabilities, and continue to get better. And we're, we're seeing signs that that is, in fact, happening. I really do believe that. I think, you, as we kind of alluded to, you can, you can look at this game tonight and in some ways, it's certainly their most comprehensively good performance since Gonzaga, Kentucky, yeah. one of those two Kentucky, games. Yeah. Right. And and you feel like as Malik Hall is getting acclimated back, they're going to continue to get better as Jackson Kohler and Trey Holloman continue to feel more comfortable. They're going to continue to get better. So there's upside for this team on top of everything else. And I think, you know, if you look outside the big 10, you've said it many times before, there's not a dominant mega team out there. No. I mean, you look at Kansas right now, they're struggling, uh, you know, as we're recording, they're just up one with, uh, without the ball. So anyway, there's the opportunities there to make a run in, in March as well. And, and, you know, that, that's, of course, that's always the larger goal is, for Michigan state, you want to be at your best in March. And for all the struggles we've talked about over the last two years, the fact is, I think Michigan state, actually, those two teams were at their best in March. I mean, I believe that, um, mm-hmm. the, you know, two years ago, they had to win all those games down the stretch just to get into the tournament against, you know, top five, top 10 opponents. And they did. And then they honestly should have beaten UCLA, who ended up as a Final Four team before they went out. Last year's team did a pretty good job in the Big Ten tournament, beat um, beat a, a very difficult to play Davidson team, and then gave Duke everything it wanted. So those yeah. two teams, which were not great teams, were still at their best in March. I think if this team's at their best in March, there's a reasonably good chance that they'll hang around a little bit longer. So that's the big goal, but you know, big 10 championships mean something in East Lansing. And I, I don't think there's any reason right now that this team can't, can't feel positively about their chances to compete for that. So are you a New Year's uh, resolution person? Do you make New uh, Year's not, not tremendously, but um, go, go where you're going with it. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, cause mine is to, uh, to not let the uh, Michigan live rent free in my head and, um, and to just sort of ignore Hunter Dickinson because every, I mean, it's now officially Michigan week, right? Yeah. And every time I, I can't get over the, what he's, what he's saying and uh, that the team, I don't know. <clears throat> I, again, I got to, I'm going to try and live up to my resolution and not let them bug, bug me so much, but it's, it it's wild. Well, it I, really I, hard. I think- I think, and we're going to have lots more to say on this, obviously, <laughs> later this week. But I think you're right about that instinct, and I do think that's something that's that should be important for MSU fans, as difficult as it is, to keep in mind. Keep your powder dry. There's every opportunity to let this guy know what you think come Saturday afternoon. 
you know, and yeah. when Michigan State, and I did say when they beat Michigan on Saturday, there will be ample opportunity to let him hear all of it. But this is a guy who's, I mean, it, I think you're, let's, let's just suffice it, suffice it to say, I think you're correct. And I agree with you. <laughs> don't let, don't let the ramblings of a fool. Let's be kind of a fool bother you. Um, yes. you know, this is, this is somebody who, um, his team has had a bad year thus far. They, they did get a big win. We're going to see what they can do against Penn state tomorrow night. Um, I think Penn state's got a great chance to beat them. We'll see what happens. The, bo- the bottom line is, um, he's got to be himself, right? He's cursed <laughs> with that. So, yeah, right. <laughs> but we're going to have a lot more fun talking about all the horrible deficiencies in this game. So get ready for that. Cause they are there. Stay tuned. Believe we'll be back. Yeah. They are there. <laughs> uh, final parting thoughts just for, uh, as far as the show goes, please make sure you go to your podcast player, leave a written review. We really appreciate it. It helps other Michigan state fans find the show. If you're interested in supporting the show and us adding all this extra content, like interviews with future players with coaches, uh, please consider supporting us either uh, through monthly donation or one-time donation via PayPal or Venmo or on Patreon for monthly donations. You can go to final fours on the schedule.com slash support, or if you're lazy, tffinots.com. Although I don't, maybe that's not that much lazy. All right. So anyways, uh, until next time, the final fours on the schedule. Go green. At Granger, we're for the ones who pay attention to every little detail. The ones who fuss, tinker, and sweat the small stuff. Because you know the tiniest thing can make the biggest difference when it comes to keeping business moving. We get it. We're the same way. Offering access to product experts to help you quickly and easily find what you need. So whatever your industry, you know you're always getting professional-grade products. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.